0: Hello, thank you for listening to Acting Related, the MySite.Actor podcast. I am Frank Prendergast, and I am so excited about this month's podcast guest, Tom Kibby. Tom has an unbelievable CV in the industry, having worked as an actor, director, producer, artistic director of a theatre, casting director, and now he lives in Cork and works as an acting coach. I have been lucky enough to work with Tom over the past few years, and I can tell you he is just an incredible acting teacher. He himself was trained by uh, Sanford Meisner, Lee Strasberg and Stella Adler. And he kindly agreed to join me on the podcast to share some of his experiences of working with them. Tom, thank you so much for joining me for a chat. Um, You're an acting coach. Well, you're many things, but you are an acting coach currently based in Cork, um, which is incredible. Um, I meant to ask you actually before we started, so I'll just ask you now. I was trying to remember how long that I've actually been working with you.
1: We must have started the beginning of 2015, like January. Right. Because I, I put the the end of 2014 is when I was putting things together. Right. And I don't think I met you separately, and that's how you joined the class. Yeah. That was January of 2015.
0: And I so I and don't know if I actually don't know if I've ever told you this, but um because I got a call from Jared Fitzgibbon, who I think was probably head of theatre and drama studies at the time. And yeah. Jared knew that I was um, exploring Meisner at the time. Um, so he rang me and he said that you were putting a class together and it would feature um, Meisner work. So he yeah. thought he was wondering if, if he should put my name forward. And I said, oh, that'd be fantastic. So... I didn't really know much else other than that. And uh, you gave me a a call or an email and we met in um, the bodega for a coffee. And you were telling me a bit about yourself and about the work. And you said that you had worked with Stella Adler, Sanford Meisner and Lee Strasberg. And I'm sitting opposite you and I'm like, is that is that? Even possible, like it, you know,
1: it was. <laughs> yeah. I was done once. <laughs> so
0: I kind of walked away, and uh, I guess I'm. A, I don't know. I, I, I. I, I guess, not at the same time. I guess I'm a, a, a kind of a skeptical person, and I was like, I don't know who this person is that he's telling me this amazing story. It seems like an amazing opportunity, and I don't know if it's an Irish thing, but I was kind of like, this is this is too good to be true. So I was kind of thinking, this is either the most amazing opportunity ever or I've just met a complete sociopath.
1: <laughs> Could have been both.
0: <laughs> and luckily you are absolutely not a complete sociopath and it was an incredible opportunity. Um it was and and your your I mean your classes and I know Sean O'Connor was my first guest on this podcast and in it he was talking about how incredible your classes have been for him as well. Um and uh, so I thought, yeah, maybe we would just we, maybe we would just start chatting about just that, about um, the fact that you've, that you worked with Strasbourg, Adler and Meisner in New York. What, right. It
1: wasn't all in New York. Some oh, of it, it wasn't. Was LA.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. And how, what order did you work with them in?
1: Well, I, I think I was very, I was sort of lucky. I started with. Well, I'll go back a step. It sounds, you know, throwing names out here. I was very fortunate in college. I took a semester or whatever it is um, abroad in London. And I wasn't, I, I had always loved theater. I was very lucky when I was a kid. We lived a few hours outside of New York. My parents worked in New York. So I went with them to New York a lot and was introduced to Broadway and plays and all this stuff. And my father was a big fan of drama So obviously, I went to see a lot of stuff that I didn't understand, but I was very excited by what was going on on the stage. And um, this semester, it was my senior year, and uh, it was the first time it was offered. It was a big deal in 1968 um, for us to be offered to go to London to study for a semester. (laughs) And I took two courses, uh, political science, which I've totally forgotten about, (laughs) and um, a theater course. And that theater, course, was uh, taught by um, Peter Schaffer, the playwright, Amadeus, um, Equus, you know, on and on. And um, and we went around to the theater. He hadn't written Amadeus or Equus yet, but he had written uh, Black Comedy and White Lies, where we went to see and we met Maggie Smith backstage, she, you know, when she was young, and Alan Bates. And, you know, it was very exciting and I was, you know, I was very, didn't know that much about theater, but he certainly introduced me to English theater and the workings of it. And um, that was that and I went back to college and I had, I only had to take one course because I had plenty of credits. And so I took intro to theater as my last course in college after I had had this course. And um, after that I was lucky enough to move to New York and get a job teaching, not acting. I was teaching earth science and physics, in a good day school in New York. Right. And bumped into Peter on the street, and I went. He said, "You used to ride horses, didn't you? Or you ride horses?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "I'm writing this play about horses, but I don't want to talk to theater people about it. I, I would like to talk to some horse people because I want to make sure the terms I'm using are correct." because I'm doing this completely through my imagination. I don't want to be looking things up. It's an article I read that, about a boy who blinded these horses. Amazing. And equus. Yeah, yeah. And so I would read, or he would give me dissections, where he was using equestrian term- terminology. And I'd say, yeah, that's right. That could happen. No, 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 that's wrong. You can't say that. <laughs> that. That would not happen. And in our conversation, he recommended that I go to the neighborhood playhouse because I had such an interest. And that's where Sandy Meisner was. Right. So I did. And it was great. You know, we had a, the, you know, we had, I ended up having Meisner twice a day. I mean, his associates were there like uh, Bill Alderson, Bill Esper, Sidney Pollack and Sidney Lamenton. Those guys had already left and gone to Hollywood. Um, and I was very lucky. And he, quite quickly, after a few months, uh, also. Vietnam was going on, so I had a lot of other issues going on in my life, being an American at that point in time. Uh, He asked me and invited me to join his private professional classes away from the Playhouse, which I did in complete terror, not knowing why. You know, I was young. I was not a professional. There were people from Broadway, people who had done movies, all this stuff in this class. And I went and I started, and that, that sort of started it all. And then um, I finished his two-year program in the private professional classes and the Playhouse. I a friend that was doing something out in L.A., working on a film. And she, a good friend from college, he said, come out, visit, come out, visit. So I did. And I went out and visited and ended up, like a lot of people, was staying there for, you know, 30 years or 25 years. Right. And then I went to – Meister had, had given me a name of his associate out there, Charles Conrad – And I went to his classes and they were full of a lot of television and film people. And I very quickly was in his advanced class. And then he asked me to start teaching. And hence I was teaching for him for a couple of years. And then I went out on my own. Right. And once I went out on my own, I said I need the other points of view. And then I went and studied with Lee Strasberg, which was very difficult. He's not easy. Uh, it isn't the work. I mean, even as a man, I found him in, in, intimidating. Right. Everyone says they're frightened of Meisner, but there's a space to work. I I found Lee intimidating, and I kind of agree with Marlon Brando. He does favor his stars because it's good for his name, and it's always done. Brando was much cruder than that about him, but um, and I did that, and I, I think, you know, and I Did, did learn I learn really- a lot? But-
0: Go ahead. Did I I read somewhere, uh, and I might be misattributing this quote, but I think I read somewhere that Meisner said of Strasbourg that he took the people who he could see had phenomenal talent, put them through his school, and claimed that the talent was a result of his teaching, whereas Meisner claimed that he could take anyone in and allow them to discover their talent.
1: Well, that's basically how they worked. They did that and I'm sure Strasberg, you know, did take people who weren't of names, but like, like Brando said, he, if a if a jackass was a star, he'd take him in and claim him, you know, <laughs> as one of the good method, you know, and like he, Brando would always say, "Stella is my mother." In fact, he wouldn't go to the actor studio often at all when Strasberg was moderating, he waited for Leah Kazan or one of those who he ended up doing all the movies. Right. So I found him intimidating and kind to stars like Sally field who was in my class and he liked her very much. Right. <laughs> but um, I did take things away from him. I was also at the period where he what, had moved away or was moving away from effective memory and emotional recall and really, concentrating much more on sense memory sense stuff um and not as much digging into your own personal psychology which of course is what stella adler and meisner were completely against back in the group theater why they divided right they they both said it's your imagination you know meisner says you don't want to bring up that dead brother, which he had and he spent years in therapy about right, over and over and over again. And that is removed. It isn't as specific as, however, what is written, because you're going to respond very strongly to those kind of memories if you do an emotional recall the way Strasburg did. And I've done them, you know, without a doubt. and But it seems... It isn't like a personalization. Sometimes we're seeing something and all of a sudden, like in a dream, it feels very personal, but then we realize that it isn't. It is personal. It is about your personal baggage, you know, when you're doing an emotional recall or, you know, an effective memory. It's your memory. So it isn't the imagination. Then I went to Adler afterwards, and I felt really good. And
0: before, because, and before we talk about Stella, can we just because you mentioned that people were, you mentioned that you found Strasberg intimidating, but that people were also afraid of Meisner, but that there was room to work. I think you said. But why were people afraid of Meisner, or what? How How was that kind of relationship?
1: Well, there's a good documentary out on Meisner. I think, I think he had become, you know. Uh, his power was not only in his name and the playhouse name, it was also passed on in terms of what other actors of quality that you would respect talked about, you know, and respected, you know, like you hear a Joanne Woodward talking about, but Sandy was a real teacher. He was my teacher. And Gregory Peck saying How, you know, he stimulated at one point he did it and he jumped over a table and attacked someone, even though they weren't supposed to do that. Meisner appraised him for that the work, but said, don't attack the person. And Meisner's work, I think it's the work itself in that the exercises become what feels like exposing because he wants all of you in the moment. And he really is... I think the fact that he studied piano and was expe- accepted to the school, which became Juilliard to study piano and went down the acting route. He, he was like a master in terms of the discipline of creating your instrument, because if you did not have a complete instrument, you couldn't be a complete character. Right. In other words, a voice, your body and being in the moment right. and responding in the moment Unedited, so to speak, you know right,
0: so it was more it was more about what was expected in the work more than his his personal demeanor or
1: yeah yeah and he'd sit there and he he everyone has their own style he didn't have to say much because he was at that time I mean he had he he still had his voice he hadn't had his larynde- lary- whatever you call it uh, and um he hadn't been hit by a cab yet um. And so he was in decent shape, he was a little bit older, but not that old. Um, And he, you felt his concentration, relaxed looking at you. And so he had the ability because of so many years of experience, he didn't have to say many words. But looking back at it now, because that was a long time ago and I've been doing this for now 50 years, Um, I can see he was very clever in partnering people in the beginning, certain kinds of exercises, actually to go into their strengths first, to build up their confidence. Do you understand? And then, so they would take chances and try different kinds of things. So, um, you know, when you're in the class, you're just like, okay, I'm next, (laughs) or whatever you have to do. But it's been a long time, but I still have very vivid, memories of the experiences and sure. I not only see, I can feel them and so and same with got both positive and the ones that scared the hell out of me sure I mean, his relaxation exercise when he would grab your jaw to shake it i'd be completely relaxed and as he came closer to me i could feel my jaw tightening and tightening and tightening <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know,
0: and and so how um, long did you spend with um, uh, Strasberg then before?
1: Well, that was on and off with Strasberg and some of his teachers too, because I became an observer at the Actors Studio in LA and here too. So um, I think Meisner was a good three years. Strasberg was like two two years, and then the observation of the studio. Now, he did not necessarily monitor the studio all the time. Sometimes it was Ellen Burstyn. It was sure. different people. Sure. Uh, and I did not wish to audition for it, to be a member. I was happy to go and hear. Because don't forget, Strasbourg's classes and the actor's studio are two different things. The actor's studio is a, was a group of people of, from all the different teachers, you know. right from Meisner, Adler, um, God, I forgot who John Casavetti, Chekhov. I mean all different kinds of people came and it was about the actors. So there was it was a very specific how the questioning and and what the actors the actors led it and the moderator had a final comment or suggestion. That was all.
0: Right, right.
1: That, that was basically all.
0: And so, and so then you, you also started working with um, Stella Adler.
1: Yeah, that was a treat. <laughs> right. Because I was older already. I At this point in time, I was teaching my own classes and actually starting up my own theater, you know, that I was working on with a few other people. Right. And um, I said, oh, I've got to go to Stella now. I've got to, do, I've got to complete the trio. <laughs> and, um, and the best thing about her was, how she presented herself. And it was a complete other energy than Meisner and Strasbourg. She would walk on the stage because it was always in a theater that we had our classes in the real estate. She'd come in usually on the stage not from somewhere else. Dressed really well. Her hair quaffed perfectly. Incredible costume jewelry. And sometimes she'd stop and look, go, was that a good entrance? And then go continue <laughs> on, sit at her desk. And she had her assistant there and her glasses. And sometimes she'd be very looking over her glasses, you know, pointing at you. Who do you think you are coming into this classroom dressed like that? You have no self-respect, so I have no respect for you. Get (laughs) out. She would do things like, you know, that. But then she'd turn around and she'd sit there and go, I'm an actress and I've started, I think it was either two or four, when my father Luther held me up on stage to rapturous applause. And um, she was just this grand diva. Right. But she'd turn around and go, who are you? And some girl would say, oh, I'm Cindy and I'm from some town in Ohio. And She goes, Cindy from Ohio and you expect to be a star? What's Cindy in Ohio have to offer? What do you have? And she goes, well, I don't know. It's just a middle class this. And she goes, well, I'm Stella and I you know was a star. I did Hollywood. I did everything. She goes, but in reality. And then she turned with her Jewish accent and go, I'm a broad from Odessa, so what's the difference? (laughs) Right. If this broad from Odessa can do it, yes, I had the family. You've got an imagination like everyone else, Sandy from Ohio, you can do it too. So she was very encouraging. Right. And then she'd, when she'd criticize, it would seem like she was coming at you with a hatchet, but it was always positive, you know, like how dare you not know this you know what I mean, and all of a sudden by God, you would know that history you know, how can you be saying that monologue, you're talking about a passage from the Bible, and you've read it once or twice, and you don't even have the Bible that that priest would have or have gone shopping for it, and look at the, look, at, who gave it to you, so she would go through and she was brilliant at, like Myerson was brilliant at getting you in the moment right. and his work. Stella was really brilliant at getting the simplicity, getting to simplistic, simplistic simplicity of how to create a character within the imaginary circumstances of a text. Brilliant. And of course, her incredible knowledge of all the great authors, American, all of them, Chekhov, Shakespeare, I mean, you know, um, and, and her, her, Books on that, I recommend. I mean, her knowledge of all the great authors from the past, when they wrote, as she would call it, big plays, epic plays, Mm. universal plays, plays that would be done over and over because their message or what the author was saying well I'm sure yeah
0: I'm sure I'm I'm sure she would have given out to me in her class because I started to read her book but it became a giant undertaking because I I don't even remember the name of it but her book on the the great American classics but it became such a giant undertaking because I not familiar with them so I had to go starting to read the texts and then read her chapter on it and (laughs) so I actually gave
1: up (laughs) yeah no it's yeah like she'll go through Miller and O'Neill and Albee and I don't know who else is in the book, but yeah, it's good to have known at least or have read a lot of the plays. Yeah. Them. And then people would do scenes from them, you know, in her scene class. Right. You know, and she talked about size and scale. I mean, like, I mean, like she said, what's the difference between Brando and De Niro, who were both students of hers? And she said, Brando can play a king. I don't think De Niro can. Right. In other words, in terms of the scale, and of course, we've seen Brando try to do Julius Caesar and things like that, where I, you know, and he was playing a king in The Godfather, you know that sure. gravitas there. So, you know, he said, and she said, "Does that make anyone better than other? It's just what the different person's gifts are, and and an actor knowing." What is necessary for them to do a given script?
0: Right. Yeah. Protect. Yeah. And you. So you said working with them, working with with Stella Adler was a treat. Does that mean that she would have like was she your favorite of the three?
1: No, Sandy was definitely because Sandy was my my. I started with him. Right. I worked for his associate. He was kind to me. He actually, he actually contacted. Sidney Pollack and Mark Rydell in L.A. when I went out there for them to meet me, you know, I, you know, he couldn't have been kinder. Um, and without the basics, I mean, even his simple, which aren't simple, as they increase, as you know, because you've studied them, uh, as, as you keep adding layers to them, his repeat exercise is genius because it really embeds certain absolute elements an actor needs to have in them without their brain to express a character in a moment in a scene. And so, his, 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 him being the master, was sort of like the ballet person with the stick, plié, relevé, plié, relevé, again and again. I, I, I think Meisner was a true teacher that way. Stella opened up our minds. And she, opened, or when I say minds, our imaginations, and she encouraged through whether it be research and life or whatever and what's in there, how big and how much of an imagination we are given as human beings, and that is a gift, right? That we that that artists have, and it should be not taken for granted, right? You know, and and she was a taskmaster too about simplicity directness how to enable your imagination to work at its fullest
0: and you, you mentioned a few things a minute ago already but she
1: made you smile you know she always made you smile
0: right right and you you mentioned a couple of things earlier I think but what would your what would your biggest takeaway from Lee
1: Strasberg be then um, detail right that sometimes we'll skip the tiniest detail, such as atmosphere from our senses, which can really change a scene. It's sort of like that. I don't know, everyone's probably heard the story of Catherine Hepburn talking to Anthony Hopkins in Lion in Winter, and they were doing their scene out on some turret of the castle. And Anthony Hopkins do it, and Catherine Hepburn came up to him and said, Darling, darling, I know you're a great stage actor. But she said, will you look around you and just let this do the work? (laughs) Meaning, Stella would always say you must let your environment, if it's a set or whatever, pass through your imagination and stimulate your imagination. And Strasberg made you aware through your senses and everything of specific detail. Precise, precise, precise. Although some of his work, and I agree with Stella and Sandy, would, especially with the younger actors would bring them back onto themselves and not keep their concentration outside of themselves in their imagination and on their scene partner or partners.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mentioned at the start that, I mean, you you are many things in terms of like you're, you're a director, producer, you've been the artistic director of a theater, you've been a casting director Um. And as I said, we're lucky enough to have you uh, currently as an acting coach uh, in Cork, which has been incredible. Another um, recent guest of mine on the podcast, uh, John McCarthy. I remember meeting John McCarthy for coffee long before I met you. And we were just talking about acting and about what it was. And I was saying to him, I know at the time I was saying, you know, I know the types of performances that I enjoy. And so that's what I want to be able to do. But I have no idea of how they are crafted, or how you know what 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 is that skill set. How do you get there? And I think you know Meisner. Um, I discovered Meisner, and that got me a, a definitely got me as much much closer to what I was looking for. Um, but it's your classes have had the biggest impact on feeling like I can actually construct the type of performance that I want to. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe if you could just tell people a little bit about, about how you approach um, giving that to, to people like me.
1: Well, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate that I, I, I come from the background of the great masters that I worked with. I was really lucky. And then um, the, the other perspectives also help that, for example, directing. Of course, you're dealing with actors. And as I've grown older, it's gotten better and I say much less because I understand, like I cast um, a couple of lead roles for Tony Richardson. He was doing a play. He's the great English director of film and theater. And he just turned to me one time we were talking about it. He said, when we are casting, he said, you know, when you're directing a play, There's a point in time when you have to give the play to the actors," he said. "In a film, you can keep going and going, and you can create it in the editing room, and that stuck with me in terms of directing plays and film, which I've done both. Um, I I tend to enjoy the theaters because I love to—I love to see it come alive between the actors." and what surprises they bring that I wouldn't have thought of the same thing happens in film, but you're in a, it is much more structured and you have to move on and there's chase sure. and all that. Um, but the, and then casting was, um, I was very lucky. I got to work with some really great people. I mean, my first casting job was for Michael Douglas. He was the executive producer and he stood up and fought for me and I'd never cast anything. He wanted new unknowns from New York and L.A. And he knew, he heard through people, friends, that I was connected to all these people, which I was connected to a lot of them. And I brought some in, and the directors in the studios were a little, whoa, whoa. Because he had just won all those awards for Cuckoo's Nest, so he had a bit of power. And this was not these expensive. these were, wasn't a big, expensive chance they were taking. And so... Um, yeah, because he stood up for me and made some of the choices. Um, I, I I I learned about how that system works and how other people are choosing or looking at acting, not just actors, acting teachers, experts, people who are experts in other fields. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Some yeah. directors are technical. Some directors are actors. Directors. And some directors, like when you were talking earlier, I want that kind of performance, but I don't know quite how to do it. In other words, like I cast a lot for George Romero, the horror film director, you know, Night of the Living Dead and all of those. And he wanted those kind of performances. He didn't know because he knew all, he really knew all about the camera and was very definite about what horror films should be and should not be, and, and what kind of performances needed to be in them. Um, and so he was strong enough, that there wasn't resistance, there was collaboration. Same thing with Michael, collaboration. And then I worked for Curtis Hansen, and he just always laughed. He would say, what are you gonna bring me this time? Curtis sadly passed away um, in the middle of a shoot. But, you know, I did his first couple of movies and he ended up doing L.A. Confidential, 8.5 Mile. And um, so in my casting career, what I got to see was what studios, producers and different kinds of directors. Like I was working for a director who was coming out of TV. And this was a big deal in those days to do a feature. Moving from television to film was a, a huge step. Right. Now it's very fluid. And um, he was very afraid and kept pushing for names. And producer, Michael, in this case, said it's going to work better without a lot of names because that's what they're just going to see because it's a small movie. We need fresh people. You can have a name or something to help, you know, sell it. But we need people that they haven't seen so they can see them sort of for the first time in this very specific circumstance. You know what I mean? Right. You know, which wasn't a big, you know, spectacular kind of movie. He kind of did that with Cuckoo's Nest, you you know, bringing, I mean, you know, Jack Nicholson was probably the biggest name and he wasn't that big then. Right. You know, all the rest of them, you probably hadn't heard of or seen. So um, yeah, that was that. And running a theater for 20 years and being artistic director, mm-hmm. you learn about bottom line. You learn about I've got to pay these lovely people who come in every night and clean this theater so another show can go on tomorrow. And, yes, I can, I am going to be tough if this production is sloppy and throwing cigarette butts out in the front of the theater and things like that. You know, so, I mean, I had friends come in who – who, later became friends and they said they were terrified of me in the beginning. I went, what <laughs> Did you have a reputation of being very tough? And it, I, I guess I was, but I stood up for the theater and I was actually wanting their production to be lifted as high as it could be. And, and I had one of the, probably, if not the most, one of the top two most successful small theaters. And, you know, from John mm-hmm. Cassavetti's working there to, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, they were, you know, all different people there. So I got to really observe and be right next to watching a lot of these great directors work, great actresses like Jenna Rollins, watch her create a role of a woman who was losing her mind. I mean, in front of you, Uh, that's a gift, you know? Um, Yeah. So, but the other thing that's a gift too is, you know, I think there's something to be said for commercial theater and theaters, that have to pay bills and realize they're taking care of people and people's lives and all the people that make a theatre work. And that, you know, especially when you don't have a government that you can reach to and just get money. But when I produced, and I produced stuff away from that theatre, I produced at the Irish Arts Centre in New York, at my theatre, and in Dublin. I went out and got the money, along with my co-producer, who's really Mm -hmm. good at it. Um, George Ann Heller from New York, you know? Um, and so I really enjoyed that um, because you feel responsible because you are personally going to someone yeah. for money and you and you, you have gotta be honest. We may lose it all. You may break even if you're lucky. And I, if you make anything, thank the stars. Can you afford to write it off somehow or whatever?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So, you know, when I look at acting, I'm looking at it from all those points of view. Sure. And, The main thing is it's completely evolved from when I started because of media and contemporary media. Look, we're doing this via Zoom. No one knows. the the Broadway just announced, I think it was yesterday or whatever, theaters are closed until May next year. Right. Uh, No one knows what's going to come out of it. What I do know is there is going to be much more digital work done, work done, like a lot of the actors know they've been doing dual logs for auditions, but I've just read um, about another person who studied with me a little bit, but who's friends with a lot of people who have studied with me a long time, Evan Lorden, who uh, mm. directed a play in London, yeah. and they rehearsed via Zoom. They right. are performing it in the theater, you know, in Clapham. So yeah, this media and actors working on their own and the speed with which they have to put a performance together is different than it was when I was way back at the Playhouse and what was going in New York then. I mean, even in my little theater, there was a minimum five-week run and one-week previews.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was a the little theater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that was considered and, fast.
0: So, I mean, in your classes, you, because I know from... Because um, I've been a- attending a long time, but you so you do blend Meisner, Adler, Strasbourg, but there are there is other stuff that I don't know if you have developed it yourself or if you've drawn from other sources. But there are some exercises and some yeah. things that we've done that I've I've never come across anywhere.
1: Um, yeah, and there's no, some you probably won't. Um, you know, there are several that I've that I've stumbled upon while working where I put something together while maybe I was studying voice with an acting exercise. Do you understand And I don't want to scare people like the mirror exercise. I mean, I started using a mirror to have to look at my mouth when I was studying voice.
0: Right. But then I
1: realized something else can happen there too. It isn't about looking how you perform. I agree with Helen Marin. She said, don't ever look at a mirror and judge your performance that way. That's not what this is. No. I, and recently, um, because Modern techniques in the areas, let's face it, if being truthful or honest in the imaginary circumstances is what acting is, the imaginary circumstances are given in the text. We're talking about text work. But there's also an atmosphere, or if you will, a musicality to Mm -hmm. the text. I mean, whether it be comedy, even let's say some of the Meisner truthfulness of moments. The moments may be, have to be spontaneous even if you're doing restoration or Moliere the comedy in school I I did school for husbands the old man had to be in love and when the girl looked at him there had to be a reaction so it isn't just for modern realism I realized and then I looked at it is still about the food to be truthful in the imaginary circumstances and to understand the atmosphere you're creating, Shakespeare or whatever, comedy or drama, is concentration and relaxation. And then I've discovered recently through TRE, trauma release exercises, which were designed for returning vets, but now they call them trauma and stress release exercises. Well, now there's TRE for life, which is trauma release and relaxing exercises. And polyvagal theory, you know, this is scientific, it's not necessarily acting, but it's where acting comes from, is about taking off the mask, the mask of your face, the armor of your body. That's Meisner's repeat. But the mask of the face is really hard to get to. So I developed some exercises that are very simple and doable by the actor for them to let go. Obviously, when a muscle contracts, if you're doing a bicep curl or trying to lift something, you can hold it so much and then ah, the muscle gets up and it lets go. In that mo- moment of let go, there's freedom there at the neurological level. And so it's about opening up the face so the new face can come through, the face of the character.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've seen recently even David Tennant doing Des. It doesn't look like David Tennant in Miss Doctor Who. Sure. you know, yeah. And I mean, people like... You still have to bring all yourself to the moment. He studied with Meisner and Chekhov. Anthony Hopkins played a cannibal and a pope. Sure, that's a why, and it's still all of him was there to play those people and allow that yeah. to come through his pores at that level. Yeah. So yeah, there are exercises I've taken from science. I was a science teacher because I keep following that up. I'm interested in psychology and the evolution of opening up responses from Meisner, but what is new Mm -hmm. and how does that come through in the the imagination? So yeah, there are a lot of stuff I started with them and used a lot of stuff to adapt for now and what the actor can do by themselves and in this media that we're going to have to be in for, we don't know how long.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think so the, when I was working with you, the mirror exercise was probably the first exercise that I came across that was completely new um, and unique <laughs> to you. And the results from it were just phenomenal. So it, it was it's basically because what we did in, the, in class, the first time you introduced it was we uh, cold read. We, we had a chance to read a piece. Uh, and just take it in and and do some imagine uh, imagination work around it, just ourselves privately. Then we would read it uh, for the for the class, and then we would do the mirror exercise, which is basically it's it's. I would I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's almost like a vocal exercise. It's almost like a meditative exercise. Your concentration is placed on 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 you know you're looking yourself in the eye. And we used to joke in the class about getting lost in the mirror (laughs) Uh, and you would do that exercise for a little while and then you would come back and read the piece again for the class. And it just the depth of expression would have leapt forward. The the, um, you know, I suppose the the performance level would have just just jumped to a, a degree that you wouldn't have thought possible in a short space of time by shouting in a mirror. Not
1: shouting. No, not no. But I'm Not shouting. Yeah, it really is. Gets it helps you quickly get to the deeper or the aspects of your imagination. But what allows it by being in the mirror is your cognitive brain that's judging gets put away, and you just start expressing whatever there is in the moment, and there doesn't seem to be because it doesn't allow the cognitive brain time to give you reasons to make everything. Okay. And so it really opens up because don't forget you are stimulated by something specific of the imaginary circumstances of the piece or the character that you're going to be portraying and that you're communicating. It isn't about your feeling. It isn't about that, that you're communicating the story or whatever it is. It's usually a story to your scene partner or partners, and it gets you very quickly involved in your imagination. And that part, which is the and her polyvagal theory, mm-hmm. that part of your brain is where the talent and the imagination is, and it's stronger, or it can outshout—not even outshout—it just outpowers. It lets it lets your cognitive brain and the voice in the back of your head. Just relax and let the other stuff take over. Just let your talent speak, not and not be there. Sure. So strongly telling you right, wrong, do this, do that. Do you understand? And it just does that. There's a doctor in Italy at the Human University of Umbria who has studied this. I'm not a science scientist. I'm not going into it to, to try to explain why it does that. It does that. It makes me think ballast. Sure looking glass i wonder if he was looking through a mirror then sure (laughs) you know because it goes kind of wild for people when they're there and sometimes they see nothing it doesn't matter
0: sure yeah interesting yeah
1: just as the polyvagal are and the tre you know which are new and fast yeah and easy for the individual to do by themselves to prepare and get there quickly
0: yeah and so, um, yeah, when 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 lockdown happened, you were obviously you were holding classes, lockdown meant they couldn't be held anymore. But you had some students at the time who uh, really wanted to keep working. And so you turned to Zoom and uh, from speaking to you before, uh, you, you've said that uh, even even you were quite amazed at not only was Zoom effective to carry on the the um, the work, but it actually surfaced new things that um uh that that you couldn't have predicted uh that were actually incredibly useful.
1: Yeah um I found that even though it's visual, people say it's visual. Well when you go to the cinema or you're watching something on television, are you not connected to that person and do you not feel things? You're not just seeing them. Mm-hmm. Yes you could close your eyes and hear them and still experience a lot. I don't know of feeling and breath and all that, but with the technology we now have both on Zoom and all all this other stuff, I found that you can still experience the depth and I can get connected to an actor in what's trying to come out or what they're trying, whether the cogs of the talent are trying to, Form something and go through one thing to get to another thing and yet then to go deeper or further aside to get to another that's different from them and still have all their instrument there and I found that they were freer there's no they they were on their own and they know they did it they didn't hook in to any kind of ensemble mentality Even the momentum of a class when there's six people and all of a sudden someone does something and they open up a space and that space is open then. And the other people go, oh, I can open to that too. That's of great value. But when they're by themselves, they realize they can do it by themselves and they are in the safety of their own place to begin with. Mm -hmm. But once you've done something and you do it again and you can open there, your confidence is so that you can bring it and deliver it to even over Zoom to someone, right. or in a dual log, that type of thing. And yeah, it worked extremely well. And we did the exercises, the TRE, the mirror, the polyvagal, even repeats. That, that was, you know, right? You know, that's hard to describe here, even with one person. But I was another person, right? But you know, I was the voice there watching. And also, I think me not being as present is good. Right. In other words, there's more independence because I'm not in the room, my body. And I tend to have a lot of energy. I think when I teach, you know what I mean? Even when I'm quiet. Sure. So I think a little bit of removal for me, me still being able to get everything I need, like watching a great performance on film. Like, you know, I didn't see on the waterfront as a stage play because it's, they tried to do it, but I don't know if it ever got done you know, but I can still be moved and touched and really get into that. Those performances from even Marie Saint, I mean their class, their status that I could have been a contender, the brother relationship. All that is there. It isn't just a visual. It's experiential yeah, at all levels.
0: Sure. So yeah.
1: yeah, we did it and we've been, and it's been very successful for those. Like, like I said, like, one guy got into Rada. They took 14 people out of 8,000 this year. Wow. Yeah. 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 You know, um, and we worked on Zoom. His sure. two Shakespeare and his two modern and a song. And he had never sung. I use song not about singing a lot as an exercise, but other people have too. That's, you know, it's very, it's good. for Sure. The voice.
0: Sure. Well, we've been chatting for uh, almost an hour and uh, I would be happy to chat on and on and on. And I think, yeah, we might, you might just have to come back and do several more podcasts on different, (laughs) on different topics. Um, But for now, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming
1: on. uh, Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Yeah. I, I would like to be on the other side. And have you talk about what happened to you in those classes? I <laughs> would be interesting. You should do a podcast and I should be able to ask you questions. I, well, what's, I and what's interesting because
0: we had this, we had this come up in, in, in class uh, just before lockdown where, you know, when I started you, we were keeping a journal and I used to write down and we used to, you know, discuss, we, we always discuss at the end of the class, what, what people have experienced and, when I started, I used to always, you you know, I would do an exercise and you'd say, well, how was that? And I would give you this analysis. But as the classes went on, I remember in one of the classes before lockdown, I did an exercise and you asked me how I got on and I I couldn't answer because the rational, it's like you were saying earlier about the, the, the part of your brain where the talent resides, just taking over from the logical brain, my logical brain, hadn't been present so I couldn't I couldn't say oh here's what happened here's what I think happened x y and z I could no longer do that and that is basically exactly for me where I wanted to get to now That's what we want. I, now I, you know I want to keep working on it and strengthen it and deepen it uh, and I'm not saying oh I've done it now I, <laughs> but just to have come that far for me was yeah incredible
1: ah oh, great Well, it was a pleasure. It's been a pleasure working. I mean, that's been one of the best treats or find in Cork. Where are the people I've got to work with? The people I've worked with are great. They are willing. They're brave. They're supportive. They're not judgmental. You know. I mean, I've worked in LA, New York, Dublin, different places, and I've really what a great group of actors, young and older. You know. Oh, that's, yeah, I'm ready ready to go for
0: Well, as I said earlier, we've it's been just a, an absolute privilege for us to have you here in Cork. And uh just an absolutely incredible opportunity. So Tom, thanks a million for uh for, for chatting and uh yeah, I will chat to you soon and I'll see you in class. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. If you want to know more about Tom, you can go to Tomkibby.com. We've been incredibly lucky to have Tom here to ourselves in Cork for the last few years. But now that he's gone online, he's taken students from the UK, the US, basically wherever you are, you can now work with Tom via Zoom. Thank you as always for listening. Please do subscribe if you haven't already and share this podcast with anyone you think would enjoy it. Connect with me on Twitter at Frankie P. And if you're looking for a quick, easy and affordable professional actors website, check out www.mysite.actor. Thanks a million. See you next time.